Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Real Vision, we're closing the doors. But not how you might think. You see, this autumn we're launching the new Real Vision, a platform built around the universal truth that knowledge times tools times network equals success, your success. It's the biggest transformation in our history and brings together everything you need in your journey from information to knowledge to wisdom, all in one place. That's incredible AI, charting tools, networking, economic data, watch lists, notes, and a whole ton more. We start rolling out to our current members at the end of August, and from August the 15th, we're closing the doors to any new members while we focus on that. But you do have one final chance to get in that door. Until August the 15th, you can level up for a whole quarter of Real Vision just for the price of $20.14. When you go to realvision.com forward slash last chance, you'll see why we chose that price in particular. It's something about Real Vision of old. You'll get to experience the new platform before the general public with no obligation to stay after that three months and a price that works out for like $6 a month. It's what you call a no-brainer. Anyway, I hope to see you on Real Vision. It's an incredible community and my God, this new platform is going to be extraordinary and will change as many lives as possible. That's realvision.com forward slash last chance. Is the risk off trade nearing an end? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Steve Miley, Chief Analyst, COO, and co-founder of Trade Day. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Real Vision. Hey, thank you very much, Maggie. Pleased to be here. So this is your first time with us. So before we jump in and talk markets, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Trade Day? Yeah, sure. So, well, I've been in the industry for a very long time, became interested in financial markets as a, in a, te- as a teenager, um, through university, then went straight into financial markets. I actually started on the, the life floor, which was um, the equivalent of the, the Board of Trade or the Merck um, in, here in Europe. That's where I started my so with the you know the bright jackets and all the hand signals, so I started there. Um, very exciting times, um, but then segued into research. I was at Merrill Lynch Bank of America 15 years, and then I actually headed up the um, FX technical analysis department at Credit Suisse for three years. And then after that, I moved into my own business where I'm selling technical analysis research reports back to the industry. So back to hedge funds, institutional client bases, um, whether it's brokers or um, uh, banks, and then um, also to high net worth individuals. So that's been my journey pretty much up until more recently. Um, And in the last couple of years, we've kind of moved into the space of um, um, the retail space of uh, funded funded challenges. So um, that's what Trade Day is all about. We're a uh, funded challenge program where you come in and you can purchase a challenge. 
try to hit the profit target before you hit the the loss levels and as long as you stick to the rules then we fund you um into the real live market so that's oh interesting kind of a yeah. kind of a gamification quite not it's not like sports betting but there's a sort of a gamification aspect to it, it there is a slight gamification aspect to it yeah so it's the industry has been around for like 10 11 12 years really um but we've kind of uh we've come into the industry the last couple of years trying to do it from a different aspect what we're trying to bring in is that Say myself and my co-founder James, um, he has a long institutional background as well, but more on the the actual professional trading side, the prop firm side, right. um, setting up big prop firms, um, prop trading floors in China, and um, and so yeah, we've tried to bring that kind of professional institutional kind of aspect to the to the retail space. So giving these guys, you know, institutional grade research, technical analysis, macro fundamental also offering news squawk services and then um, on top of that some mentoring and psychological and risk management tools that we bring to the table that you know others in the space are not so much bringing so we're trying to bring all of that to kind of level up as much as we can the the retail guy and we think that's really important you know in the it's been a that's been a big growth for the for the you know since you know well really the last 10 15 years anyhow but i mean i think a big push post covid the whole you know, Reddit kind of explosion that we saw. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there has been a bit of a leveling up and we're going to see hopefully more of that. And that gonna... Well, we need to, right? We, we all need to be taken care of. And we're, we're, that's certainly our mission as well, is to try to inform and arm people with the, you know, information they need so they can make smart decisions. So happy, exactly. happy to hear exactly. it. So, all right. So let's dive in then. And um, let's start with stocks. Uh, as we kind of look, because you, you, you look across all assets, which is great, because so do yeah. our, uh, our community and, and listeners. So let's start with stocks. Mixed action today was kind of a, it, it felt a bit like a, a Monday. Everyone recovering from last week, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, it, it seemed like for most of the day, it was going to be, it was a little bit of tough sliding, a little bit mixed, right? We had the NASDAQ out ahead and then it was the Russell and the Dow lagging. Looking yeah. across, we've just closed here, and the Nasdaq actually up one percent. So it kind of gained yeah. as the day went on, and Dow managed to drag into positive territory, but Russell still down uh, yeah. a quarter of one percent. So we, you know, we posed the question about the risk trade because you were talking about that uh, that in your research. So how are you feeling? You feel like an appetite for risk is returning, or is there more danger out there as we look at equities? Yeah, I mean, um, so I've got a couple of charts I think we can share. So I think starting off with the S&P is probably, um, you know, the, the main place to start, you know, the, the broader index, the kind of the benchmark, really. Um, and from my perspective, this has probably got a little way to run. You know, if I look at it just purely on the technicals, you've got a small topping pattern that's built up in here throughout July. We've reversed down through the trend lines that you see coming up in here from March and the trend lines up from May. We're down through both those, those, those trend lines now. And that's kind of topping pattern alongside the reversal of the trend lines. You've now got a, a series of lower lows and lower highs. So there's still some negative pressure despite the little pop you've seen today. It's, it's probably not enough yet. And my kind of concerns. I mean, I'm kind of a bit of a natural bull. I've got that in me. I tried to, you know, obviously as an analyst, you tried to be as neutral as possible, but I do have a little bit of a natural bull in me. Um, and you're obviously we're in a, you know, a big bull run that we've been in right the way from October. But I think there is some downside pressure that's still probably due to come through. But I think we're nearing the end. And I think that's the case in a lot of these markets we're going to visit now 
we're probably these correction phases we're in. You know, we've been in them now for like three, four weeks. We were in some cases fairly overextended, overbought, particularly in the tech area um, on individual stocks and in the NASDAQ, which we'll look at shortly. But I think there's still some more to come to the downside. I don't think today's anywhere near enough to say that we're over yet. But I think there is some still some risk. So you know, for me, down to like those swing lows that we had in June and July, 44.11, 43.70 maybe on the S&P. That's the risk on the downside for the broader index at the moment. Mm. So we have, we're going to get some insight into the consumer this week. We have earnings from major retailers, the ones that are yeah. the last usually uh, wave to come out. They're on deck. We get a monthly retail sales report. Yeah. The following week, we also get NVIDIA. That's going to be a monster report. Sure. That, that was like the linchpin of that tech movement. You see yeah. a catalyst in any of this? How important? How are you kind of positioning ahead of that? Yeah, well, I think there is some risk, as I say, you know, I mean, it will be interesting to see those, you know, so we've got like Walmart, Target, and who, who's the other? There's another biggie, right? Coming yeah, there, there, are, there are quite a few. And Walmart, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, hit a new high or they got an upgrade today. They were on the move today. I think they were one of the sure. movers. Yeah, so I think they're going to be interesting to see, you know, after particularly you said the inflation numbers, we've got the retail sales numbers, got the Fed in, Fed minutes as well. Do we yeah. get any insight which way the Fed are going to be leaning? But for me, just, you know, on the technicals and the fundamentals, I think the initial, the risk still remains slightly to the downside. Um, and, you know, as you say, we're coming towards the end of those earnings. The big tech has all come through. Mostly it was positive, right? You know, most of that big tech was positive and it still didn't allow markets to continue because I think they're built. I think we've very much been in that kind of buy the rumor, sell the facts, right? So we've had a real you know, strong push higher through um, mid to early July to those peaks that we put in at the end of um, the end of last month. So let's month. pull the NASDAQ up because we're kind of yeah, talking yeah. about tech. Why don't we pull the NASDAQ up and look at that? Because that, it, it, and again, people felt like maybe most vulnerable, may, maybe mo the most overbought. And yet you see that kind of leading the way today, which is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, we have had that little bit of a rebound today, but you can see we're still got that kind of in that on the chart here. We're still in that kind of downtrend. I mean, upside for me, if I'm just looking at pure technicals, it needs to clear uh, 15, 6, 10, you know, that kind of swing that we had back a week, a week or so ago. Only through there will I kind of shift it and see it really shifting more bullish back for me. I still think, you know, there is that risk of another small down leg in here, you know, one more phase lower. But then I think there's going to be a real longer term buying opportunity. I think we're going to get one more push lower. Um, and then I think it kind of sits with what, and maybe we'll come to talk about it shortly, what, um, you know, we're seeing in the sound bites regarding this potential for, you know, yields to push. Now mm. one more spurt to the upside in yields before we kind of get yields turning around again. And I think that's going to be, that's going to think of be the, the key driver. And then I think that's going to be potentially pushed by a shift in tone from the Fed, which is a little bit further out, I think, but I think that is coming. That's down the line. That's for me going to be the catalyst going forward. So I think the risk in the short term is maybe another down leg, maybe a bit of disappointment around the consumers, as you said there with these with the data we have coming up this week. Um, and you've got to remember like last week we had that CPI data, which was better than expected. The initial market reaction was very bullish. We had a real positive reaction. And then the actual price action to end that day last Wednesday was it was relative, last Thursday, excuse me, was fairly negative. Mm -hmm. And then PPI kind of was this a bit disappointing. So for me, when a market can't react to a positive piece of news and it reacts the other way, that's that that the writing's a little bit on the wall that we've got a bit more to come. Equally, 
kind of just switching focus very slightly uh, and ge geographical focus, there have been a lot of headwinds out of China, right? And, yeah. and maybe it's a bit soon to go there, but we've had, you know, we've had the property market downturn. We've got deflationary pressures coming out of China. You know, those numbers continue to come through. We've had a, a few scares overnight, you know, regarding some non-payment of, of interest payments and maybe a contagion into the financials from the, the property world. And the markets have been pretty resilient, given these kind of quite negative hedgewinds coming out of China, which is, a, you know, effectively the factory of the world, mm -hmm. um, these inflationary pressures. And the markets, I think, have been relatively resilient given that. And I think what we do have potential down the line from China is stimulus that they're talking about. They're, they're kind of leaking very slowly, but we're not really getting that coming through. So I, I can fully see potential for a shift where we get some positive stimulus coming out of China and then maybe hand in hand with some hints from Fed speakers that we're going to shift. And I, I don't expect any kind of shift to dovish. I don't expect any kind of real signals of rate cuts coming, but there might be these little signs, these little signals of a shift to more dovish. And then that could see yields reverse significantly to lower yields and then allow obviously growth stocks tech, NASDAQ to push higher, and the broader market to go higher too. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so it's a sort of two-phase situation here where you see this very near-term potential for more downside for equities, but then maybe some reasons. Um, and, and fantastic to bring up the China news. I mean, there was a time when an Evergrande-type headline crossed, and it really had ripples through the global markets. Are yeah. you thinking that it's markets resilient or is it just that everybody's on vacation in August? So sort of people are not really focused on this or a bit of both. Yeah. Maybe a bit of both, but I, I'm not quite buy. I don't quite buy into that. You know, the, everyone's away in August. You know, lower liquidity. I mean, I mean, that's undoubtedly the case. But you know what? The, the players that are around. You know, we're 24. We're 24. Not quite 24 seven markets. But you know, everyone Who can afford to not pay attention. Exactly. Right? So maybe that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> exactly. So you can't say, okay, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm on hold for two weeks. We're on holiday. Yeah. We're on vacation. So I think, you know, if that news was felt to be that significant and, you know, then I think we would have been. And, you know, China was down, you know, stocks in China were down. The Hang Seng was down overnight. Yeah. You know, when I got up in my morning, I mean, I'm in, in the UK and Europe, European stocks were under pressure from Asian stocks off the bat, you know, yeah. and the S&P and the Nasdaq were making lo lower lows than we posted back on Friday, you know, yeah. and then. By the time the U.S. opens, it's kind of turned around, and that that mark, that news has been discounted out. So I think there is a there is an underlying resilience. You know, there there wasn't any kind of real contagion outside of Asia. You I mean it doesn't mean that 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 couldn't escalate a little bit? But for me, 
I think, you know, we are seeing a lot of headwinds, um, you know, being kind of ignored or we're battling against it. I don't think they're being yeah. ignored. I think we're battling against those headwinds in, in out of Asia, out of China um, and markets. You know, even though there is a say, I think there is a, a risk lower. And I think that kind of ties into you know, what we'll probably discuss on, you know, on the bond markets and yields. Yeah, I think it's worth, and I think it's worth getting into that. I just want to share something. Yeah. And I think Joshua S. makes a good point. Um, he's saying uh, more push lower thanks to consumer spending decrease from Walmart earnings call. I'm just highlighting that because I think, and, and I'd love your thoughts on this, it's not going to be just a headline. And it's kind of been this way with tech too. It's not just yeah. going to be the beat on the headline, on the revenue. I think yeah. people are really going to start to pay attention, especially for the retailers, really yeah. start to pay attention about what they're saying about the consumer and how they're holding up. Indeed. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. If you, I mean, if you look at the actual numbers, you know, the, the where we were versus consensus on, you know, most of earnings, you know, it was mm -hmm. a sea of green, you know, everything, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much beat earnings. But a lot of that guidance was a lot more suspect. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Joshua's like nailed it there. It's going to be, you know, where the guidance is, where the guidance is, read the consumer um, and what we're really seeing, you know. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the markets have been, you know, um, actually – you know, probably for the last six to nine months, really, we've had this kind of almost like counterintuitive, but, you know, once you kind of understand it, these counterintuitive moves, you know, it could just be a little bit of a slowdown, right? A little bit of slowdown from the consumer could be a very slight positive. It doesn't mean we're going to fall off a cliff edge. It doesn't mean we're going into a recession. But, you know, that kind of natural slowdown, you know, a slight rise in unemployment, you know, is probably what the the economy needs in order to assist the slowdown in, in inflation mm -hmm. and then for allow the Fed, you know, if we're, you know, if, if, if the employment situation is really strong, if the labor market is tight, it's going to put the Fed off, you know, being more aggressive on any kind of rate cut. So I think you, you need that kind of Goldilocks, right? Not too hot, not too cold, just about right. And I think, you know, a little bit of negative guidance from the retailers could actually be seen as a positive, you know, you know, almost counterintuitive as a positive, in that it means we're slowing down without, you know, tipping tipping the economy into any kind of recessionary fears. Great point. I think that's a great point. We often get people say, so is is bad news good news? Is good news yeah, bad news? Exactly. A little bad news might be good news here. So yeah. let's talk about the bond issue. We were talking before the show, sharing thoughts. Um, for those of you who watched all last week and have been watching our other coverage, we've been kind of on a lot of concerns creeping up, a lot of great insights coming out last week of people were saying, hang on a second. Much like you just said, Steve, there was a reason for the market to do well. The inflation data was pretty well behaved and the, and it kind of fell apart, especially on yeah. treasuries. We saw volatility. We saw yeah. yields on U.S. treasuries moving higher and yeah. a growing concern that maybe yields at the long end are vulnerable to a yeah. further move higher, at risk for a further move higher. Yeah. Uh, my colleague Ash Bennington was doing an AMA with Raul, Real Vision co-founder yeah. Raul Powell, and we asked him, I asked Ash to put it to Raul, because Raul's been talking about bonds, get his yeah. thoughts on what what's going on. This is what he had to say uh, yeah. last Friday. Have a listen. But actually, I spent a long time thinking about this because all of the business cycle indicators, all of the inflation, forward-looking inflation indicators, all of the unemployment uh, indicators are all suggesting that bond yields should come down and that inflation continues to fall both at core level and at headline level and that unemployment continues to slowly grind higher. So why are bonds not suggesting that? You know, while equity markets already started pricing in the fact that there's more liquidity in the system, and I think it's down to supply. 
I think it's really down to supply because the Fed have, the Treasury has to issue a lot of bonds to finance both the interest payments from the bonds that are coming from maturity set at higher rates and the new borrowings that they have. The bond market is already trying to absorb a bunch of this stuff um, and there's just not the ability to absorb it all. So supply is pushing yields higher uh, for the time being as the Treasury rebuilds its coffers. The issue is there's about $6 trillion of debt maturing between now and the end of the year. What the Fed have been, what the Treasury have been doing is issuing short dated notes generally to, to finance it. The reason they're doing that is they don't want to lock in 5% rates because before you know it, the budget deficit explodes high. Right. So there's a game that I think they're playing here is the Federal Reserve have to, and all the central banks are doing the same game because I think they're all in cohorts, part of this everything code theory. They are going to try and hold this rates up as, as long as possible to make sure inflation undershoots. Because when it undershoots, they have the cover to cut rates back down to trend rate of GDP growth, which is like 1.75%. So I think um, I think the narrative will break by Q4 mm -hmm. when we'll start to see the Fed cutting aggressively. In the meantime, does the yield do yields go higher? I don't know. I'm watching them closely. There's a risk that they do, and I'm stuck in a bond trade that's losing money. I've had, I've had a great year on technology and crypto, and having a um, offset some of that in bonds. So I still think bond yields end lower, but there is a risk that they lose control here because of the supply side and there's not enough liquidity in the bond market right now. And therefore, I, I think that increases the chance of some yield curve control, whether it's like an intervention in the bond market. And we've seen that in the past. It's not uncommon for the US to do. J Japan obviously does it. The UK did it recently as well. So listen, I I, I think this turns around, but could it squeeze higher first yields? For sure. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. All right, that was a long one, but it was worth it because a lot of you were asking last week, knowing that Raul had a position in bonds and, and had been expecting yields to go lower. So we wanted to make sure that we got his thoughts on that and shared it with you. So that was for all of you who asked. Um, and for those who want to dive deeper into the topic, um, maybe ask some follow-up questions. Raul, Julian, Brigden, and Harry Melandri will be doing a Pro Macro Insiders live this Thursday. Roll up and ask more about it. I'm sure this topic is going to come up. And Andreas and Ash just wrapped the business cycle AMA, which is available on our platform. So Thursday, it's at 11 a.m. Eastern, Raul, Julian, and Harry. And the AMA already happened, so you can get full access to that on our platform to access both and all of our other conversations about what's going on with this bond volatility. Scan the QR code and come join our community. And it's important because, see, right, that what's happening in yields is has the potential to impact equities. Like everything will become interconnected, especially if you get sort of an outsized move in treasuries. That volatility is, is problematic and unnerving to some people. So we've got people asking, what's your view on yeah. what's happening with treasuries? What are you looking at? Yeah. So if we can bring up the, uh, we've got the US 10-year uh, note future chart. So we can look at that. But I mean, I think I'm going to reference more the yields because I think it's more important. So um, as you can see near the 10-year future, we're sitting right down on uh, the recent low um, at 109.24, having already pushed below the July low at 110.05, having previously pushed them below the 
the March low at 110.27.5. But if we look at it from a yield perspective, um, starting on the 10 years, we're, we're pretty much sitting right at you know, yield peaks around 4.22 at the moment. And that's also a yield peak going back to its, you know, last year, we're like November last year. And I think there's a real risk, you know, and Aral was really, you know, you know I'm kind of on the side, I don't want to sound like a suck up, but I mean, I'm kind of on the, the sort of same page as Raul. I mean, I think there is real risk that we get a spike higher in yields, you know, and if 10 year takes out like 4.25, you know, the peak from last year or the second half of you know, all of last year, the peak has been like around 433, 34, 35. So we could easily be there in, in like a heartbeat and then maybe up towards like four and a half percent. And it's kind of similar numbers on the 30 year as well. So like through 435 takes us up to 442, 443 and again, maybe 450. So those long ends could easily spike, I think, to higher yields in the short term. Um, however, you know, the, my underlying view would then be that then the, the risk is still then back to significantly lower yields after that move. And I think it's interesting, you know, you know, Ra was talking about his positioning. You know, you've had Bill Ackerman at the be uh, Ackerman, excuse me, at the beginning of of August talking about you know putting on. Um, significant, you know, shorts and the hedge fund community. If you look at the CFTC data in here, you know, the, the latest data has put it even at a bigger extreme, um, on particularly on the long end, on the tens and the thirties. We've got it's becoming a bit of a crowded trade, so it doesn't mean it mm. can't go. It can't go further. This this, this short positioning by the hedge fund and the fast money community. And I think that is the risk that it does go there. But then, you know, inevitably, if it flashes out to those kind of levels, you know, tens and thirties going out to four and a half percent, then it could really, as they all unwind that, it could really then come back just as viciously. And then we see a reversal back down to lower yields. Okay, that's super important. So because and 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 thank you for sort of giving some color on that because yeah. you know it's not just about the fed or the fed minutes there is the market positioning matters here so yeah. first of all it sounds like volatility a real concern um that big up and down yeah what happens to risk in that what are the implications of that because Ralph said something very important yeah. in that statement and yeah. he's obviously watching things and with concern one thing to to just put a pin on that, we have to remember Rao has a long-term perspective. And I know this, we talk about this all the time, Stephen, I'm sure you do as well. Time perspective matters, right? So oh, you're telling yeah. us in the short term, I think this. In the yeah. medium term, I see this. So yeah. Rao's uh, point of view, he, as he always reminds us, is long. So his yeah. bond call is still long. But one yeah. thing he said in that, that's really important, if you have a shorter time perspective, is yeah. he's worried about the possibility they lose control. Yeah, yeah. That, and we had Vincent last week warn of like a guilt-like moment where yeah. this thing starts to move. And it, and talk to me about the positioning of the market. D d can a momentum build on itself? Is that worrisome to you? What are the implications of that? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that the market is very crowded and short, well, the, the fast money, again, like we're talking time horizons. You know, I've, I've always said as analysts, you know, I used to get asked all the time, you know, what's your view? My, my, I always answer the question with a question, right? What's your time frame? I can, I can be bullish, bearish, neutral, bullish, bearish on five different time frames, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you, it's right to qualify that. For me, all the risk is that we've got, you know, a crowded um, short trade in here at the moment, but that could explode lower. And if we do see that kind of increased volatility, we could see it blow out through 
down towards four and a half percent on tens and thirties, maybe even beyond that. Um, but then those, those that hedge fund community is likely to then to cover those fairly quickly as well. So I don't see us being there for for a long time, um, as long as it's not too aggressive. If we start spiking towards five, does anything break? That's that's what happened with gilts, right? And then yeah. they had to step in. Yeah, they did. But then that was, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm in the UK, right? That was because we had this like a shocking decision, political decision. Right. There were and, other things right behind. Exactly. It. There was a huge, right, unbelievably, you know, in hindsight, the most stupid probably political decision anyone's ever made. Excuse me, which well, hang on, up. we have time here to see if we can <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not throw down that challenge, shall we? Right, right. Heading into right. an election year in the US. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite. But um po politics aside, I, I think that and the other thing is what you could see is like the the not only would you have the the shorts from the the fast money community the hedge fund community but you've got it's not a crowded trade but the the longer term longs are still kind of a, 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 a heavily you know still long right so they could get forced out but I don't see it being I don't personally see the Fed I know I know there's been talk of them maybe coming in you know and some kind of yield curve control or you know you know buying bonds or whatever it might be I don't particularly see that happening personally I don't think that's going to be but I think we could see a flush out to lower prices higher yields and then a quick return and I don't think you know a move to somewhere between four and a half five percent now if it goes beyond there then there might be some you know, some increased political risk, you know, and some increased problems. And you could then see, you know, some kind of intervention, you know, kind of stuff, you know, almost be, yeah. as you're implying there, almost a, it turning into almost like a geopolitical event, as opposed to, you know, it's, it's a structural event for the market. Personally, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I think the market can cope with that um, as long as we kind of revert back higher. And I think that will be, that would be my take on how it would happen. And that really kind of then sits alongside my view on the stock market and on and you know and, and the indices is that they could potentially be lower from here on that kind of flush out to higher yields and then it's a it's a big buying opportunity for stocks as well at those lower price levels we've just been talking about yeah let's round it out with the dollar yeah. uh and and if you want we we had dollar gold and oil we're not going to get through them all but sure what's most important and and, and are they interconnected because everyone was predicting Dollar lower, yeah. Waiting for gold to break out, which yeah. just stubbornly hasn't. And then yeah. oil's been interesting, and a lot of people getting maybe thinking the oil rotation trade is back. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, just to run through those, you know, the dollar has, I think, caught you know many people thinking a more dovish Fed, weaker dollar, you know, and the fact that the dollar's rallied, you know, has been really super strong the last few weeks on this kind of more of a risk off trade and obviously the move to higher yields. So probably see again that probably continuing with the risk that yields are going to continue higher. Um, and then on the back of that, you know, uh, gold just doing the inverse. It's not be, it's not acting like a safe haven. You know, in, in this case, it's just doing the opposite to the dollar. So there's potential further weakness, I think, to come in gold. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, you say that oil, oil's been the real outlier. You know, what's really Odd, strange about the price action in oil for me has been that the macro events, the increase every time OPEC plus OPEC, really Saudi Arabia's increased and announced, you know, further increases in supply or elongated the um, timelines on supply increases. You've seen an initial push, as you would expect, higher in price for oil and then a quick reversal back lower by the markets, you know, over the last two, three months. However, the last two, three weeks, 
you know, we've had nothing out of um, OPEC and Saudi, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's just up, 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 in the face of a risk-off move elsewhere. So it is a little bit of a conundrum. You know, I, I've never liked charting oil because at risk of saying this, you know, the market doesn't act like a fully natural market. I'm just going to yeah. put it like that, right? Yeah, Let's yeah. <laughs> conclusions. And so from a technical analyst point of view, it can be warped a little bit. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. behave as it should. Um, but nevertheless, I think, you know, oil, I think, is a bit of an outlier. It's not necessarily telling us what we want to know about what's going on in the real global econ economy, right? Because you'd argue that all the, everything out of China is more negative, you should see oil lower. So I think oil yeah. will park to one side, but I think the gold and oil trades are kind of lining up. You know, for me, as much as I, you know, and at trade day, our, our, you know, a lot of our focus is on stocks and equity indices because that's what people like to trade. But I mean, um, I think, you know, you have to right now have an eye on those treasury markets right across the board. It's not just tens and thirties, you know, twos and fives as well. There's, a, you know, there's a crowded trade in the fives as well. So I think, you know, it's keeping an eye on the levels there, watching and, and waiting for the breaks there. And then you're either going with them in the, again on this timeline, short term, you know, if we're going to break to lower prices, higher yields, then stocks are going to go lower as well. And um, but then I think eventually there's a great slightly longer term buying opportunity on stocks and on bonds that's going to come come our way, probably not in August, but I think coming going into September. Fantastic stuff, Steve. Such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you Thank so you. much. Great conversation. It's a pleasure to be on. Really has. Great stuff. We'll see you again soon. Um, and thanks to all of you for the great questions. Before we go, uh, just a reminder, two things. Remember those, if you want more on the bond volatility, the programs I mentioned, we're going to be diving in deep on the platform. And also, we've just launched season two of the Real Vision Collective. Real Vision Collective is on a mission to bring you all of your favorite NFT communities together while giving you the knowledge you need to navigate Web3. If you want to help us keep building the super community of NFTs, head over to realvision.com slash collective to learn more and mint your own season two NFT. And if you haven't joined Elaine's DJ and happy hours on Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, you're missing something. They're great fun. So roll up to that as well. We'll be back tomorrow with Tommy Thornton. In the meantime, hope you join us. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there, everybody. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.